I'm Claire Sands, and welcome to this week's My Why, the audio version of my weekly blog from thesilentwhy.com. Think or swim? Chris and I recently got back from 10 days in Tenerife. We didn't mention this on social media or the podcast, because apparently robbers are real social media sharks and will immediately come and burgle your house and take all your mediocre, not that valuable possessions, if they know you're abroad. You'll be pleased to hear we managed to avert that disaster. Holidays aren't just a luxury for us. They've actually become a vital part of our coping with childlessness strategy. And even as I say that, it sounds a little entitled because I know not everyone can afford to just up and leave the country to process. But it's one thing that over the years we've put a priority sticker on. So you rarely find us ordering takeaways, we don't buy coffees or food out that much. We have a few hobbies, not many, and our spending is minimal and considered. So we can have holidays. To be honest, when I say this, I imagine a host of people sort of rolling their eyes at the way I explain why getting away is so important for us. And I think it's because over the years I've had so many negative comments and responses to the news that we're going away. Alright, for some, wish we could do that. Must be nice to have that freedom. It's not an option for us with a two-year-old, even though I want to point out that on holiday we're surrounded by people with children of every age, but I don't say that because that would be rude. And then there's the common response when you tell people you can't have children, at least you can have a lot of holidays, or at least you can go away during term time. The reason holidays has become so important for us is that we realised it was the only time we were fully able to get perspective about where we were in life and what we wanted to get out of it. Our line in the sand where we accepted it would be the two of us was made on holiday. Our chats about work, finding new purpose, losing friends, strained family relationships, how we feel about children or having children or not having children, the arrival of babies in the family, family Christmases, being alone as we get older. All these discussions were easier to have on holiday, far away from our day-to-day reality. And we knew if we didn't get away at least once a year to go through this process, we'd suffer for it. And ultimately, so would those around us. Now, I just want to pop a bubble that might appear before it balloons. I think judging from the comments of other people and being around childless people, there is a misconception that just because you are child-free or childless, a debate for another time, there's the assumption that you must love and indulge in the freedom, space and luxury of holidays. Because it's just that easy. This is most certainly not the case, and I'll quote two very different people on why I want to say this. Firstly, Katie Elliott from this week's Let's Chat episode of The Silent Why. I remember distinct moments in my life where absolutely everything looked on paper as if it was perfect, and I was hopeless on the inside. And secondly, the actor Jim Carrey. I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. I know both of these statements to be true. Well, not the rich and famous do everything you dreamed of bit, but I do now understand where he's coming from a bit more. I also know that although money doesn't buy lasting joy, it can buy a sort of short-term happiness which does make life a lot easier to process, so I'm not feeling too sorry for the rich folk. But I've sat in beautiful hotels and on stunning beaches, not Jim Carrey stunning, but stunning nonetheless, with nothing at that moment to do or think about. Seemingly what most people dream of. And I can tell you that if you don't have peace, contentment, hope or joy on the inside, it doesn't matter where you put your physical body or what you buy to distract yourself. Nothing changes how you feel inside. As I've said before, it's a mistake to confuse quiet with peace. In fact, if you have a hectic life with work, kids, family and pastimes, and when you stop to rest from it, or have a day doing something wonderful, you can honestly say you feel amazing. Then you have more in life than most. Because for many of us, it doesn't matter whether you rest, stop, go away, sunbathe, take a day to yourself, go to a spa. 
If you're grieving, if you're lost, if you're lonely, if you're confused, if you're hurt, if you're disappointed, it goes with you. And in the silence, it can actually get a lot louder. This recent holiday was no different, and a chunk of it was spent processing things and coming to the sad conclusion once again that life isn't as we planned, and dare we say it, we're disappointed. Not an easy thing to say when you build your own life to a degree. And since we got back, I found myself mentally returning to one place in particular on holiday, where I felt I had blissful moments of complete joy, where everything came together to make me feel somewhere else, someone else, and just a bit free. And it was the local beach to the hotel that we were staying in, just south of Los Gigantes and Puerto Santiago on the west coast of Tenerife. I love a beach when we go abroad. There's something about the sun on my back, the sand under my feet, and walking along the edge to just help me leave all my baggage behind for a few moments. However, this beach was different. For a start, it had black sand, which meant everyone on it just looked dirty, like they were covered in soil. The other thing was the sea. I think it might be my favourite sea ever. For one very unusual reason. It made me laugh. Every day. For ten days. Now, the North Atlantic Ocean isn't especially known for its humour, to my knowledge. But in this little beach area, he was having some fun, and I loved it. The colour of the waves as they broke was that icy, vivid blue, turquoise type colour that you find in spades if you Google cool icebergs. Sandwiched in between the dark blue of the deep water and the pure white spray as the waves broke, this was like a pale electric blue that I just couldn't capture on my phone in the way I wanted to. But it was so stunning. I'll put some photos on the blog of my attempts. But most of all, the sea was basically insane. And that's what made me laugh. On day one, we arrived as the unsuspecting newbies that we then looked out for every day afterwards. We took our flip-flops off, headed to the edge of the water, and enjoyed it lapping over our feet. It was exactly the feeling I'd been imagining since we booked the holiday a few months ago. Then, without warning, a huge wave came in, hit my legs at force, I was not expecting it, and it soaked my front and shot up the beach towards those relaxing on towels at what they thought was a safe distance. This was humorous if you were far enough away from the chaotic waves. However, if you were in the sea, on the edge of the waves breaking, you ended up under the wave, and the pull of the tide as it retreated sucked many more unsuspecting people back into the sea further than they wanted. Now, I'll preface this with saying, it can be a dangerous beach. And we saw a lady get rescued when it turned because she couldn't get back in. There was a lifeguard there for a large chunk of the day and he didn't relax much. But all that danger aside, if you're not heeding the warnings, once you worked this sea out, it was so much fun to watch people try and best it. In various ways. The entertainment was literally something I'd have paid for. One cocky lad decided to jump at a wave as it broke and he threw his chest forward and arms back expecting to break through the wave and feel it around him as it passed. The reality was that he hit a wall of water far greater than his chest and it pushed him back five feet and threw him under the foam of the crashing wave. As the sea retreated, a sign to us more familiar with its movements that it was coming back with force, we grinned as we saw new people, fully clothed, follow it to get their feet wet. Moments later they were either running back up the beach as a huge wave headed towards them, or, if you were really lucky, they'd have turned their back on it as it returned, meaning they got clobbered up the back of the legs with water far deeper than they were expecting. We saw people get thrown down onto the sand, people on their hands and knees getting sucked back in, clawing to try and get back up again before the next wave broke over them, people walking toddlers in the shallows, quickly lifting them up as a wave shot in suddenly that would have engulfed the child, people on towels at a safe distance, suddenly wet as the sea sprinted up the beach for a one-off wave. 
Big waves crashing, littered with heads and arms of people who hadn't positioned themselves correctly in the sea. It was a mixture of scary, fascinating, hilarious, stunning and mesmerising. This sea was in charge, and it was going to play with people and put them in their place whenever it wanted to, and nobody could argue with it. It was like watching a person, and one who knew his strength and power and ability to enthrall, entertain, bless and humble. I'm not sure if you've watched videos of 100-foot waves, or seen giant waves in person, but there's something incredibly mighty, powerful and terrifying about the sure strength and volume of such a thing. You can't help but feel small, weak in the presence of something that would take your life without a thought. And for people who believe in a god, it gives you a taste of just how big that must be, if this is merely something that he created, the equivalent of a pot to the potter. But one of the things that really interested me was the lifeguard's ability to know when the sea was going to turn, way before anyone else did. One day we were there, and the sea was seemingly behaving itself, trundling in and out quite pleasantly, when suddenly the lifeguard started blowing his whistle fiercely, indicating everyone had to get out of the water immediately. We were looking around and watching the scene, but even as far out as we could see, nothing looked sinister. Within a minute, the sea had turned and the waves, which must have been about ten foot high if you were still on the seabed, started crashing down and rushing up the beach. Everyone was out by this stage and stood to watch the scene unfolding before them, taking photos and video of the gorgeous waves as they crashed along the rocks on both sides of the bay. Then, not long after it, it calmed and people were swimming again. And I was left thinking, how did he know? Grief is often linked to the sea, as is faith, and it seems to be a metaphor for a lot of things in life. Being in too deep, staying in the shallows, being out of your depth, treading water, dipping a toe in, waves of emotion. Like the famous quote from Vicky Harrison that I've mentioned before. Grief is like the ocean. It comes on waves, ebbing and flowing. Sometimes the water is calm. Sometimes it is overwhelming. All we can do is learn to swim. There are many analogies I could put out around loss and the sea, and as I watched those waves, a lot of them washed around my mind. Grief is a force out of our control, for the most part. You have to learn how to go with it. It has the ability to lap at your toes or knock you off your feet, calm your head or flow over the top of it, threatening to drown you. It can be beautiful, it can be hard to watch and scary. When the sun shines on it, there are moments when it reflects colours in us that nothing else can. When the sky is grey, it can be dark and threatening. But rather than major on all that for this blog, I thought I'd just create some time for you to think about the analogy of the sea and where you are right now on your journey with loss. If you were to picture a beach or a body of water, where are you in relation to that? In life now? Are you on the edge, terrified to get in? Are you dipping your feet in but taking it slowly? Are you wading in gradually? Are you stuck at a certain point? Have you charged in, diving straight through the crashing waves like the lifeguard that we watched? Are you swimming confidently? Are you trying to swim, but tired? Do you need to build up your strength? Are you confidently swimming to the horizon? Are you treading water? Are you lost? Are you jumping straight off the rocks? Are you out of your depth? Are you drowning? Are you pulling someone else from the water? Are you helping others stay afloat? Is what you're clinging to, to keep you afloat, healthy? Where are you? What do you need?
It's good to think about these things and process where we are and what we need. But ultimately, to fully enjoy life, we have to get in the water, metaphorically. Like Vicky Harrison said, we have to learn to swim. And some of us do that willingly, building strength before we need to. Some of us have had no choice and we're doing it to survive. I really believe we can prepare for some aspects of grief and loss. You can't avoid it. Everyone faces it at some point, And when you do, you can sink or swim. Or maybe you can think before it happens to enable you to swim better when it arrives. If you have someone spotting you from the beach when that hundred foot wave of grief arrives, if you have built your strength to swim, if you have confidence no matter how deep or rough the water, there are people there to help you if you let them know you need it, then you stand a better chance of surviving those huge waves of loss. Eventually. And that's what all our podcast episodes are built around. Helping others to prepare for loss, either by listening to those that have been through it, or building the tools to cope with it, or maybe help others through it. And that's what the Let's Chat episodes and tools are there for too. I'll finish with the perfect exchange that Karen Blixen wrote under the pen name Isaac Dineson in The Seven Gothic Tales. Why yes, he said, I know of a cure for everything. Salt water. Salt water? I asked him. Yes, he said, in one way or the other. Sweat or tears or the salt sea. Salt water.